0: Informed Dissent, the intersection of healthcare and politics, with Dr. Jeff Barkey, board certified primary care physician, and
1: Dr. Mark McDonald, board certified child, adolescent, and adult psychiatrist. So, this is Dr. Mark McDonald with Informed Dissent. Dr. Jeff Barkey is out today, so I will be speaking with our guest who has just published a book called Bill Goats and the Forest, and he comes all the way from Norway slash the azores where he is now escaped to as a norwegian dissident i'm the american dissident and he is the norwegian dissident living in the azores and uh <laughs> we're gonna have some fun here uh, i have so many <laughs> questions i want to ask you because uh, uh norway is not very well understood in the united states and you have a lot to offer uh this is Fruede klevstuhl author and norwegian dissident welcome to the podcast of informed dissent frude <laughs>
0: Thank you so much for inviting me on, Mark.
1: I have spoken to Fride quite a bit, so I actually know a lot about him and and his past, but our listeners clearly don't. So I need to um, provide some background so that people can understand why you're here and and really what you have to offer our listeners, which I think is, is quite a bit. Tell us about your background in Norway and how you found yourself in the Azores so that uh, we can better understand um, the origins of your story.
0: Yes, I'll do that. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm born in Norway and, and lived there for most of my life, except for a couple of years where I stayed in Australia, though. And during that time, I got to see Norway from the outside, and that was very useful because uh, there were dynamics and things uh, in, in Norway that I didn't see at all while I was living there. But uh, when I came back after two years abroad, I could see certain things, and that's when I decided that okay, I'm um, I i do not fit in in Norway, so I have to leave. So, um, and then I met my girlfriend, and she lived in uh, in Africa, and she had the same experience though, being able to see Norway from the outside. So, there are a lot of things with Norway. I um, I think this uh, Norway is presented as a, as this perfect social democracy uh, Scandinavian countries. They always. I think most people, when I speak to people uh, abroad, they say, "Ah, oh, you're from Norway. You're so lucky. It's such a beautiful and good country." So, the, I, they, I would say that uh, most most people have a very good when they well they have good thoughts of Norway and Norwegians. Um, but there there are things that they don't know though. So, and um, there is, a, for example, in Norway, there's a very high. Conformity. There's, it was ranked. It was a study from 2011, and, and Norway was ranked as the sixth most conform country in the world. So people, Norwegians, they really walk in line. They, they, you, you, you're quite afraid of being. Uh, most Norwegians are afraid of being outside of the group. So uh, there was also a study from um, 2014 that uh, looked at the freedom of expression and and they saw that 9 out of 10 Norwegians they did not dare to write what they meant on, on social media uh on the internet so and these kind of things you notice when you're there ex- like for a while and if you try to st- walk against the group if you try to say something that is not the main narrative. If you try to question the agenda in Norway, you are brutally taken down by the group. So it's a very interesting phenomenon because the uh, the way I look at it is almost as the group that the Norwegians. If you if you criticize anything, they o- almost work as a sort of state police, protecting uh, Norway and all the Norwegian values and. Um, so these are the reason why we wanted to leave, and this was before the so called pandemic started. Uh, but when uh, when twenty twenty happened, uh, it was even more uh, relevant. What like the, all these dynamics? This we talk about the law of the yanta. Uh, my girlfriend has written a book about that, and uh, it's it's a it's a law that explains how the group controls. Everyone else. So you shouldn't think you're something. You should you should just fall in line. And and when COVID happened, for example, we we started questioning this because it didn't it didn't make sense. And and at that time, we were in the beginning of 2020. We were in Thailand and we had planned to stay there for two and a half months. And when everything started, uh, we looked at Norwegian news. So we, had, we read a new Norwegian newspaper and it was very interesting being in Thailand and Asia. We also traveled to Singapore and, and uh, Indonesia. So we were in the in the part of the world where the news said it's a lot of COVID happening there. And what we heard in the news and what we saw on ground was very, very different. So immediately we started questioning this. Well, what is this? It doesn't make sense. And also uh, I have sort of an interesting story I think that sort of shows the difference in mentality of Norwegians and the Asians though, because when we travel in Asia by plane at that time, it was in March 2020, it seemed like the, the propaganda hadn't reached those countries yet. So it was quite chilled and relaxed even even in like Singapore and, and uh, especially in Thailand and Indonesia. We just had to fill out a form saying that, oh, we don't have a fever. And they checked the temperature and everything was fine. And, uh, but then the Norwegian government wanted all the Norwegians to come back to Norway. Uh, so the Norwegian uh, the, um, insurance company we had, they contacted us and said, oh, your insurance uh, won't be valid unless you come home. And like, we got a few days to go home. And I tried to argue that, uh, but according to statistics, there are uh, a lot more COVID infections in Norway than in this part of Thailand where we're at. So does it really make sense to cram all the Norwegians in Thailand into small planes if this virus is so dangerous and go back and share the same toilets for 11 hours? But yeah, we just had to go back. And it was when we came, when we landed... At the Gardermoen, the, the Oslo airport, um, we were the only plane it was late at night and it was the, uh, end of March 2020. there wasn't a lot of uh, traffic there uh, air traffic, so we were the only plane landing at this small airport. Uh, we went out of the plane and <laughs> there on the ground there was the, uh, marked with the red tape. there was a line and then you had the um, the homeland security standing in, like, tactical gear (laughs) and yelling at us, everyone in on one line, keep your distance. And it was such a shock because there we'd been in in the same small airplane sharing the same toilet for 11 hours. And then just when we came to Norway, it was like, what's going on? What's happening? What happened to this place? And the same we had to go through you have to go through the tax-free era when you have to pick up your luggage and there was another guy just yelling at us like keep the distance and we i remember me my girlfriend and another girl we just looked at each other it's like what's going on what's happened and what you saw in this covid era you saw that a lot of the a lot of Norwegians that have a lot of tension and aggression under the surface that they that you don't notice as well. But in this day and age, they were allowed to be angry and cr- like yell at people because it was a good thing to do. It was you were the good citizen if you yelled at others to keep their distance. If you didn't keep your distance, you were not walking in line. So it's uh, it, it was a very shocking experience that and uh, then we just realized we have to <laughs> we have to move as quick as possible to have to leave the leave this country because we we did question their agenda and uh, uh we didn't we didn't believe all of what the government told us and yeah it's it's uh it's a high degree of compliance in in norway as i said it's a very conform country they don't dare to speak their mind and um there was a survey, uh, I believe, for it was a Welcome Trust Global Monitor, and you find this data on um, ourworldindata.org. So it compares different country and, countries and uh, how big percentage of the population that trusts their government. And in Norway, according to this uh, report, uh, numbers from 2020, of all Norwegians, they just blindly trust their government. So there was only one, there is only one country that uh, was higher than Norway and that was Uzbekistan with 94.5%. So, um, yeah. (laughs) you
1: have two countries, Norway and Uzbekistan, that are on the same level of compliance, while Americans by and large see Northern Europe to be a free country, state, a free region with Uh, a great degree of sensitivity and openness and uh, cooperation between the people and the government. But there's a dark side. And your story that you just told, your personal story, really matches a lot of the stories that I hear here in the United States. There really isn't that much difference if you look beneath the surface. And the driving out of people from cities and states in the U.S. to freer places, sounds like that's what happened to you. You were driven out of your your home country because of this upsurge in insanity, irrationality, hysteria, etc., and led you to make your way to an island in the Atlantic Ocean, uh, which is the Azores, which is owned and, and managed by Portugal. Have you found since leaving Norway that there is greater freedom and less compliance and control where you landed than back in your home country?
0: I uh, It was a, a special uh, to land here. It was in the middle of the so-called pandemic. And uh, a, a huge difference was actually, they were very compliant out here when it came to mask wearing. And I had never, ever worn a mask. And I managed to travel all the way from Norway to the Azores without any mask. But here I was yelled at, I was harassed, uh and it was just impossible actually to to be here. Uh we were in, denied entering shops unless we put on masks. So um it w- that was very shocking and it always almost made us leave uh, just as, as the day after we landed because it was so so they so they were so hysterical. Uh but and I well, I have another story as well from that. We because it was so mad, it was so crazy everything uh, last year, and uh, it was a time where they talked about mandatory vaccines in a lot of the European countries. Uh, Austria was leading the pack, and we thought, okay, uh, this is the Portugal is a part of the EU. It's not very safe to be here because we. Yeah, like the EU supported uh, seemingly uh, mandatory vaccinations. So we thought we have we need a way out of here and we're not taking these jabs. So what can we do? So we got the flu. Me and my girlfriend both got the flu. So we thought, okay, let's uh, check check it with the hospital because if you have t- make a positive test, you would get a green card kind of thing, green vaccine passport for half a year. So we thought okay we need that to to be able to escape if we if it we, it comes to mandatory vaccine vaccines and so we went there and we both tested positive for this covid um uh, SARS-CoV-2 virus and um what happened here that, that's also it, it shocked me uh, actually the day after uh I tested positive. They sent two armed police officers to our house. (laughs) So they just, uh, they knocked on the front door and they were, when I opened this, we're standing on the other side of the road and they said loud so everyone, all the neighbors could hear. So it's like no privacy. And they're like, oh, you tested positive for COVID. You have to stay inside your house. And I was like, "Wow, armed police officers, Two armed police officer officers!" And the next day, they sent one armed police officer to say the same thing to to my girlfriend. So it's no they 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 were equally as crazy, <laughs> to put it that way. But what we have noticed after the mask mask mandate had been lifted, people are a lot more, a lot warmer, a lot friend friendlier, and there's. Mm, well, Portugal is also quite a conform country, but not as conform as uh, the Norwegian society, I would say. So it's more people question the government. And uh, for example, I think in the same survey in Portugal, they said it was 47 percent something that trusted their government. So it's, uh, uh, that's, uh, I would say that's health much more healthier.
1: The idea of skepticism towards a government is one that we don't often discuss and talk about. But I think in the last three years, it's actually been one of the most profound surrogate markers for freedom. Countries that do trust their government are much more willing, the citizens are much more willing to turn against their neighbors and to follow non rational and harmful policies. When you're in countries where people are largely distrustful, like in the Balkans, where I visited for four or five, six weeks the last couple of months. They don't trust their government and the people are able to live freely. So this idea of, uh, of the population co- cooperating with the government sounds very nice on the surface, but you see that uh, concentrating power in the government and not having people questioning leads to a lot of groupthink and a lot of abuse. And, and you've seen it now in, in two countries, one in Northern Europe and one on this island in the Pacific Ocean. That yeah. podcast that, that you started a few years ago, I, I find... Uh, really interesting, and I, I want you to to share a bit about the podcast that you started with your girlfriend. What it's called, mm-hmm. and why you did it.
0: Right, it's it's called Yomte jante Podden. So it's a podcast anti uh, the the law of jante is what I mentioned uh, earlier. It's the, sort of the law you have to that uh, the people in Norway do follow. They follow the group kind of thing. So we had a podcast. Uh, Anti Jante, they like do not follow the group, do start thinking yourself. So, uh, it's my girlfriend who wrote a book in Norwegian uh, about the Norwegian society and about this law of Jante. And uh, she realized uh, after she pub- published this book that there's so many topics you can talk about. So, we decided to start this podcast interviewing people that experienced uh the being bullied by the group that's what a lot of people are in norway so we had one uh, we started with a guy that's quite well known in norway and he he was on a lot of television shows he was like um yeah people most people norwegians know know this guy and he he didn't believe in this uh COVID narrative. So he was uh, protesting against it, so he burned a um, mosque in front of the parliament. and that created huge reactions, and, and he lost all his jobs, he, he, people hated him. So that we saw this is a clear example of try to go against the group and see what happened. And uh, we—that uh, was the episode, first episode—an interview with him and telling him that, like everyone said, ah, oh, you—you want to kill people? You're horrible. You want to kill grandma and grandpa and, but he not at all. He, he <laughs> so yeah, like we got him on and we had a long interview, long format interview with him and really got to listen to what he had to say. So that's that's how this started. And you interviewed
1: lucky. a murderer. Yeah. ostensibly a murderer and, <laughs> and discovered that he really wasn't a murderer. After all, he was actually more of a dissident, a Norwegian dissident. Uh, we had dissidents in the 70s uh, the, during the Equal Rights Amendment movement of women burning bras, and they were lauded for burning their bras and exposing their breasts. But if you burn a mask in Norway, you're considered a murderer. It's, it's uh, quite, quite uh, ironic. Go so on. that was your first interview at Ente Antipoden uh, of was... this man who burned a mask, and, and that yeah. launched you into a, a whole series of, of interviews. What what happened after that, and, and where did you go with this podcast? Uh,
0: we we got in contact with a lot of interesting people that actually dared to speak out. We had doctors on and uh, researchers, some people, that, one guy that worked with the mRNA technology in Norwegian, um, we had economists, so... We got on a lot of uh, guests that I actually had a very different view to what was going on uh, compared with the mainstream view, and we were lucky. We also had you; you were guesting our podcast for one episode. So that's right. uh, And so we had some international guests as well. Uh, For example, Patrick Wood talked about technocracy, and he he discovered some or he shared some very interesting news about. Uh, the, the um, relation I b- in between the uh, globalist agenda and Norway uh, I can just briefly mention that here as well because we have a, that's things that we discovered during this process that he talked about Gro Harlem Brundtland which is a former Norwegian Prime Minister and um, she was a Director General at the World he- Health Organization as well and she chaired the Brundtland Commission and and she is considered by uh Patrick Wood, which is uh, he's the world expert, expert in technocracy. So she is considered considered the mother of the sustainable development economic model. So uh, there are a lot of ties in between what's happening now and Norway. And also it's a coalition called SEPI. They're uh, developing vaccines, or so-called vaccines. And there it's the World Economic Forum. It's the Welcome Trust. It's the... It's, uh, Bill Melinda Gates Foundation and Norway. So it's all sort of, there's a lot of ties in between what's happening these days, a guy like agenda 2030 and what's going on and Norway. So we got to speak to a lot of very interesting people that had, uh, good information to share. And, uh, we became one of the more popular uh, podcasts in Norway, actually. It was ranked among all the podcasts that Norwegians listen to on Spotify, which is the biggest uh, podcast platform in Norway. So we were ranked very high there. But uh, that was until we had one doctor on that. Uh, he said he was warning against child vaccinations uh, at that. Then, like, you said, then we started getting censored on Facebook because it was critical to vaccinating the children. And uh, after that, we sort of got labeled as COVID uh, misinformation on different platforms and our rank, we disappeared out of the top rankings. But we saw, we still, we moved over to Substack. So we have our podcast there and we saw that people still more than ever download our podcast. So but it's interesting how this day of censorship, how these things work, though. So. Can
1: people still find your podcast? And where is it uh, available, anti Jantepoden?
0: Yeah, it's available at anti <laughs> You may have to spell that for our American audience. <laughs> we yeah, have such a I large
1: Norwegian that- following, but... But uh, most of our listeners are primarily English-speaking.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know how to even, it's a hard uh A-N-t- Well, I can yeah. help you because this is yep. the
1: way I understand it. It's yep. anti-Yante podcast, yep. the, the translation. So if you think yep. about that, it's anti-A-N-T-I. Yante has sort of like the, the jalapeno spelling in Spanish. It's a J-A-N-T-E, so yep. it sounds like a... a a y but it's a j ante yante and then poden p-o-d-d-e-n means podcast oh, is that yeah. correct that's what you taught that, me that when i yeah. went on so it's called anti-yante <laughs> podcast anti-yante poden
0: <laughs> and, is and
1: where is and where is it now being hosted that's the easiest place to find it
0: yeah it's it's uh, you can just go to anti you can search for my name and podcast and it will show up i'm Frode pretty Klerf, sure clutch tool yeah, yeah
1: f-r-o-d-e-k-l-e-v-s-t-u-l
0: so, and it's, it's located on, it's uh, on Substack, but it's, it's got their, its own domain, anti So, yeah, it's, uh, right now though, my girlfriend is, is on sick leave, so we're not producing any uh, new episode right now, but I hope we'll come back to it. And there are some for the English, for the American uh, listeners. Including me. I, I,
1: I was, yeah. uh, I I tried as hard as I could to to answer your questions in Norwegian, but I, I had to stop early on in the in the interview <laughs> and switch over to English. I apologize for that, but but Americans can understand me.
0: Yeah. So you can
1: always you can always search for Mark McDonald's interview from last year on Ante <laughs> You you were well, let me let me ask you this in this different way. Um, I have been very frustrated, and I think you share my frustration in the last couple of years with the the abject failure to. Educate and inspire people to think in a critical fashion and to become more sensible through information information statistics facts knowledge it it, it's it's like firing um, Paper darts at steel armor. It just they just bounce right off Mm. And I found that very frustrating because as somebody who enjoys information, education, arguments, counter-arguments, that's how I hone my own thinking to see that the majority of Americans, and I, I believe it's fair to say the majority of people in, in the Western world, are completely impervious to being educated through information. Uh, I have had to turn to alternative ways to inspire people to think differently and uh One of those ways as a psychiatrist is to try to capture emotion because a lot of the thinking is being done through emotion. And I use fear as an example of one of the strongest emotions and one that if you can point to and and reveal, sometimes people who are fearful will drop their fear and they'll be open to to more um, more thoughtful ways of discourse. Now, you reached a similar conclusion independently because you also like to educate and provide information. And all you got was, uh, largely speaking, a lot of hatred and censorship <laughs> and being driven out of your country, <laughs> just like a lot of us in the United States. So you came up with a really clever idea, uh, which was to use stories, and specifically a children's book, to help to, to short circuit or bypass that, that great shield that people have put up to critical thinking. And you published this book recently, you call it Bill Goats in the Forest, and I I, I want you to to, to explain um, the purpose of this book, and specifically, the thinking behind the way that the book is written in order to communicate a a message and to educate people, and I, I think a, a fairly unique way, which is uh, through a, a children's tale.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's... Um... It's quite interesting because this story uh, as as you said I, I was very much I was very frustrated that people didn't want to listen and it was one day when I was out running in the in the forest when I lived in Norway this story just came to me and uh, I immediately realized that this is this is the way I can present this information and um because we have a very strong tra- tradition with fairy tales in in Scandinavia so um I, uh, I when I was a kid and my dad used to l- read fairy tales to to me, and then uh, later on I realized all oh, a lot of these fairy tales there have a deeper meaning. They're, it's not just some trolls, and they actually it re- represents something. A lot of these fairy tales. And you mean and, trolls
1: in the classical fairy tale sense, not not internet trolls on social. Oh ah, yeah, media. <laughs> the <laughs> classical trolls. Yeah, the classical <laughs> troll.
0: Yeah, yeah, the classical <laughs> troll. <laughs> so. Um, and I realized that okay, this this way with this story with Bill goats in the forest, I can actually I can actually tell this story. I can I can I can tell what is happening to the world and what has been going on for a while. Not just started before the so called pandemic as well, but especially with the uh, pandemic uh, where I I actually I. Uh, symbol i have different different parts of the story represent different parts in life and uh, normally where people would just disconnect when they read an article or watch documentary i think it's easier to read some people and i've actually heard back from one guy that has been very critical to everything i said he actually ended up reading my book that and that's a huge win so, that is a huge
1: win uh, yeah. because we're we're often speaking to as we say in in the United States, preaching to the choir, uh, and and that's gratifying, but it's useless. Uh, yeah. It's like thumping your chest, but to to speak to someone like that who was opposed to you and highly critical, and to have them actually read the book is, yeah. is an enormous win. I agree.
0: Yeah. So what he said though, what the feedback was, that, okay, I okay, it's a really nice book. I like to book, but I didn't think. Like the deeper meaning, I don't believe in, but uh, it was a good story. So, and he read it. (laughs) But he read the book. Yeah, he read the book. So uh, that's, that's wonderful. So that's, that is exactly what I want to, to achieve though, to have people that you can't reach, that I haven't been able to reach and that other people can't reach. And to have reading, uh, to have them reading the book, and also to spread their story to children, because it's important to reach uh, the children today to to understand. Because they, a lot of the, ch- well, as you know, uh, they live in fear, though they live in fear of everything, and they 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 are brainwashed. So uh, here, I tell a different story, and the story is about as a, this Bill Goat's creature, he represents everything in this world that is uh, where uh, this technocratic view of the world where uh, as uh, Harari said that uh, like humans are hackable animals and that we're nothing but like uh, uh, biological uh, machines that that there is this crazy unnatural view that a lot of people and groups have at the uh, at the human race and at this world that everything can be controlled and tracked and Manipulated, so the bill goats creature is representing that way of thinking, and I believe, I strongly believe that that will never ever win in the end because it's against nature. It is unnatural. It cannot win. The question is though, how many uh, people will die in the making and in the story? Though, how many trees? Because the trees represents the opposite part. That's sort of you have the goats versus the trees, or. Versus the uh, the forest, though. So, um, uh, but just that I have at least I've heard that one person that really were not supporting my way of looking at things had read the book. Is uh, yeah, it's great. So I and I, people have I've actually shipped this book even to China, <laughs> and I never would expect. To, it's only one book to China though, but still, that's that's wonderful. But it's expanded
1: well beyond Norway and the Azores. It has. Uh, likely because it is more accessible than an uh, intellectual tract that's, you know, 200 pages of dense text that, that really only reaches a few, as I said, probably <laughs> choir members who've already been converted. This book uh, is, is an a illustrated book. It has uh, pictures, drawings, uh, as well as, as words. Um, did you draw the drawings as well as write the words?
0: Yeah, we did. I did. I, I do love to draw, so I illustrated the book, and we did self-publish everything. So we—that's also another thing these days that we wanted to take control over as much of the process as possible, uh, because because of censorship, uh, you never know with a story like this. Will you be able to sell it on Amazon, for example? uh so we took control we self published we went to a printer printed the book uh, i created my own uh, publishing or used open source software to create our own web store so we we do everything from our home so uh, and uh, it's very my, funny
1: I, I that the website the web store website <laughs> web store uh, that has the book and the photos is is actually quite clever and it has very interesting uh, photographs uh, and drawings of animals who are speaking on the yeah. site. Even if you even if you don't purchase the book, just going and watching that and reading that site is actually quite entertaining. What is the site called uh your your web store website?
0: It's uh, billgoats.com. Billgoats.com.
1: Very easy to remember. Yeah, that's easier
0: than ompottom. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it is, and it's also in English.
0: Yeah.
1: Has the book been attacked, censored, um, you know, Bill Goats, uh, it's, it's B-I-L-L-G-O-A-T-S, like the animal.com uh, billgoats.com has has that book uh, been given any kind of uh, designation as a vehicle for misinformation? Has there been any attempt to, to take you down or, or has the fact that it's a, a fairy tale allowed it to avoid and deflect from a lot of the the the, the, the usual missiles that go after more, direct adult conversation.
0: Yeah, so far I've been not been attacked in the in that way and uh mm. after all it's as you say it is just a fairy tale so But it uses well, it uses yeah.
1: the word mRNA in the book, doesn't it? But but it, with a different act the acronym stands for something else.
0: Yes, it it's got the marvelous repairing new acid. <laughs> marvelous
1: so, repairing new, new acid. Acid. Yes. Oh, my.
0: So it's uh, a lot of these, like the trees are put in lockdown and in isolation. <laughs> and uh, yeah, there are a lot of parallels to what has uh-huh. been happening. So, But uh, no, so far I have not been taken down. Uh, I've, I've, uh, of course, in this day and age, I'm not very surprised if that happens. But mm. uh, uh, the fact that we actually do have our own web store and run our own, sort of have the books from here, it's a bit harder to... To censor us, Uh, there are ways that can be done, of course, but um, yeah, so far, so good.
1: I was planning to publish a children's book um, from my more recent book that came out a few weeks ago, Freedom from Fear, which is a guide to how to treat fear addiction. And I wanted to put it together with pictures, hire an illustrator and publish a children's book to help children overcome fear. And uh, I discovered very quickly that it's difficult to do here in the United States and it's complicated and the audiences has to be tailored to a very specific age. So uh, I've deferred that project for now uh, for another time. And as I deferred it, you ended up publishing your book, your children's uh-huh. book, which which I think is is really trying to accomplish a very similar goal uh, with adults, of course, as well as children. But but certainly with young people and children to be able to uh help, through a fairy tale, um, expose children to a more fearless way of living and also to point out where fear and where the, the, the trolls, so to speak, can actually uh, harm you. And, and trolls are a metaphor and they're figurative, but they do exist. Uh, they do exist in other forms, in, in nasty human beings and nasty governments. There is actually danger out there. It's just not the kind of danger that most children are aware of. And to be able to educate them in a vehicle that they can understand, which is through an illustrated book, I think is very clever, certainly unique, because I've never seen anyone do it in the last few years on this subject. And uh, and you do it in a way that is um, quite, quite charming and quite funny, both for adults and for children, which is sort of what... Uh, the reason why, you know, the, the cartoon industry 30 or 40 years ago was so successful is that children love cartoons. They love Bugs Bunny. They love um, Looney Tunes, Porky Pig. But adults can watch them, too, because they actually have a lot of embedded information and messages that are very sophisticated. And so they can appeal to both audiences. And I, I think you do the same thing with your uh, your Bill Goats in the Forest
0: book. That's wonderful. Fantastic. Yeah, thank you. Well,
1: now that you've you, you, I know your podcast is on pause. Uh, for now, but it'll come back. Uh, you've got your book out. You have begun to live the the life that you write in your book by planting exotic uh, foods, uh, food sources in your garden, banana trees, and, and and other crops. And you've begun raising your own animals. So you've got your own little forest going uh, in your in your back, literally in your backyard. What are what are you doing now, and where is it going to head? head towards uh in the in the immediate future i know you can't really plan five years out it's impossible but but what do you think you're going to be doing day to day in your larger plans for the next year or so
0: are they, that's we are working on getting this story more out though we're working on tra- translating it into other con- uh, other languages uh because there has been a lot of interest um, is it in
1: norwegian by the way
0: My girlfriend is working on that right now, at the moment. So Uh it will be. But I didn't write it in in Norwegian. I wrote it in English because I want to reach more people. So yeah, Mm -hmm. and um, but yeah, and and we're there is also one guy working on a German translation, Mm -hmm. and we have some other ideas around to, to to because we really believe this is a good way to spread the truth to to inform people. So we are working on different ways on reaching more uh, a huger bigger audience and um that's a sort of the, the in front of the front of the computer job uh, next to that i'm um, yeah i'm spending a lot of time in the garden like right now i'm making a new chicken coop so, because uh, we had one chicken that ex- escaped yesterday, I had to. <laughs> <laughs> I found it by in the neighboring garden. So, and he hates chi- he made, our chickens. He made a
1: run for freedom.
0: Yes, and he w- he, he was caught. Uh, she was caught. So, yeah. <laughs> so it's uh, and that's the thing. It's a lot of things to learn actually, because I haven't been doing these things before. I had to learn to work with uh, sort of concrete and build things and and. Um, Timber work and doing a lot of things so i'm I'm just uh, spending you were, time. you were
1: relying on the, the the modern infrastructure of the most advanced nation in the world which was Norway and now you have to yeah. go back to basics
0: uh, that's a very nice realization because I've spent a lot of time studying I, I like yeah Went to university and and spent I, I don't know name, how, how many years in total I've been in school. But when I came here, I realized I don't know anything about what really matters. How like these things, like how do you plant your own, grow your own food? How do you build things? So these kind of things, I've uh, my far- father knew this, but I, I didn't. He didn't. I didn't teach. He didn't teach me that. So it's lost this information. I have to I have to learn. Start start from scratch. Yes.
1: Do you think this is important? I think it's important that people who come from these so-called advanced countries that are uh, very successful within the the architecture of their government-led modernity, that they can find security and development and and real safety, uh, real growth by learning how to exist and, and live without all of these conveniences. In other words, Finding their own fuel and food sources and shelter to some degree, so that they aren't they aren't so reliant on the government. Because when you're reliant on the government, then you you kind of have to trust the government. You know, if you distrust somebody that you rely on, like let's say you rely on your parents for food, you're five years old, and 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 suddenly your parents turn out to be rotten parents, you're you're kind of stuck. You know, you, yeah. you can't just say, well, you know what, I'm going to go and uh, cook my own dinner tonight because I think that uh, you know you're a drunk and uh, you know you you hurt me. You, you can't really do that you you really have a conflict of interest um, do you see especially from where you're coming from from one of these advanced countries that that if more norwegians were more self-reliant and more independent on a day-to-day level that they might actually become more
0: independent in their minds I, I definitely I think that's that's one of the big and I I, I believe it's on purpose though I that's a big I treat. do too yeah that's that we we've been pushed into uh, put into these situations where we have uh, lost all the real value, the real knowledge that our grandparents knew, and uh, uh, we are the Norwegians are so reliant on the state, and uh, and they they've been. Like, you just repeat what the state tell them, and that's like, okay, we're in the best country in the world, we have the best best healthcare, the best education system, we have the best best youth, we have the best democracy in the world. So, Norwegians just, uh, we know that. And then you're, of course, scared to actually leave the country. So, would you move to... Like Africa, for example, it's super dangerous there. Uh, like or another country, Portugal. I heard even before we moved to say, oh, why would you move to Portugal? It's a very poor country. Is like, how's the healthcare there? Sort of, but yeah, there's a private hospital here on the island. Even so, it's uh, it's brand new. So <laughs> the the but in this way, you are. Put into a prison, and it's it's as a like it's a prison without bars. You don't realize you are imprisoned, but you are in your mind. So it's also the the drawing for our podcast "Antiant Podden" is a drawing I made, where you see that some hands are holding you uh, tight, uh, like your your thoughts. You're you're your imprisoned in your mind, and um, I think that's that. The the Scandinavian model has been very very successful in just that. So the people they rank as they like as I said like the happiest country in the world. They answer they're very happy, and if you if you question them, they like if you ask them they say they are happy they're they're content with their lives. But when you look at for example the sick leave in Norway, you have a lot of people are I think. Four out of ten people, forty percent of people are on sick leave because of uh, medical conditions that cannot be ex- explained. So, like fatigue, they're just tired. You have a lot of these things going on under the surface, and um, yeah, I, I I think it's I think it's a good and you Americans should really look to what is happening in Norway. And you, I, I believe you should be very scared. you going in that direction. And on that note, actually, we have a on the Norwegian official broadcasting channel, we had a program called uh, This is the Way Norway is Like. And actually, in Norway, they made an appeal to Americans. So, because Norwegians, they have this view, or Norway, the present America is like, yeah, it's, okay, Biden is good, but uh, Trump was crazy. And uh, the Clintons are good. Obama is good. He got the Nobel Peace Prize by uh, Norway. gave him that in 2009, by the way. Thank you, Oslo. <laughs> yeah. That's Sweden, um, but <laughs> still yeah, so, it's the same idea. Yeah, so uh, uh no yeah that's uh Norway Oslo. So but um Is it? it I thought it,
1: I thought Oslo was in Sweden. Am I, no, am I it's not.
0: wrong? Uh, it's the capital of Norway.
1: Yeah. Oh my goodness. I'm yeah. so embarrassed. <laughs> yeah, that's the. It's and I know more than most first. Americans about those countries and here I am quoting <laughs> Oslo is in Sweden. Okay, go uh, first,
0: ahead. Yeah. And and <laughs> we created this um this show, is, This Way is Norway-like. And they made an appeal for you Americans. And I thought, I'll read some of that to, y- to you now. And I think it's outrageous. But it, it just shows. And you can find this online. You can search for it. So, it's what they say in this show, though, is, is a, a, an appeal from Norway to the US. And they say that, like, 250 years ago, you Americans inspired the world to fight for freedom. But... America took the wrong turn. And you got stuck with the childish idea that a strong state limits your personal freedom. And you, Americans, have ended up frustrated and angry. Once upon a time, America were the shining city on top of the hill. But now, Norway have taken this place. It's time to swallow your pride and do what we have done in Norway. Build a strong government.
1: You know what, Freud, this is, this is a perfect statement to end on because I think that you know, you and I agree on a lot. We've seen very similar problems. And to have a country like Norway that Americans idealize and idolize behind the scenes say something like this reveals that the cooperativity and the Happiest nation on earth mentality really Hides a very dark authoritarian and despotic way of thinking which we pursue we Americans pursue really at our peril and We really need to start to think more critically about the values of small government independence real freedom and not rely on being taken care of by a paternalistic government that ultimately will cage you up like those chickens in your backyard. We shouldn't be living like chickens. We humans shouldn't be living like chickens. But that is where we are heading if we, America, and other Western countries don't heed this warning. I am so grateful to have learned The truth about the northern European countries and about Norway specifically through you and your girlfriend because I was one of those very naive and uneducated people about those nations and believed wrongly that there was actually more freedom than there was in the Anglophone countries. And uh, that's certainly not the case. Uh, Bill Goats, (laughs) the book Bill Goats in the Forest at BillGoats.com, B-I-L-L-G-O-A-T-S com is where you can find uh, frode's book it's a wonderful narrative it's great for children you can order multiple copies and i believe it can be shipped anywhere is that right
0: that's correct we ship worldwide. all
1: around the world <laughs> so you don't have to be stuck on amazon delivery schedules uh... even if you're outside the united states uh... certainly within the united states it's uh, it's available as well uh... frode clutch thank you so much for being part of the podcast and Promoting and explaining your new fairy tale narrative, Bill Goats and the Forest. Thank you. You've been listening to Informed Dissent with Dr. Jeff Barkey,
0: board certified primary care physician, and Dr. Mark McDonald, board certified child, adolescent, and adult psychiatrist. Informed Dissent, the intersection of healthcare and politics.